Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Next week, many Americans will be celebrating Halloween on October 31st. But of course, there was something far more significant that happened on October 31st, 502 years ago. It was the day when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, which in turn started the Protestant Reformation. And I think that many would argue that this was the most significant event in the last 2,000 years, second only to Pentecost itself. Brothers, do you think that's hyperbole? Second to only Pentecost itself. I mean, well, obviously second well, to the actually, ascension of you know, Jesus. If you, if, if you look at great events, if you just Google uh, the great events in world history, uh, even the secularists are going to list uh, the Reformation in one of the top 10, top 25, or something like that. So, I mean, it is a... It was a world-shattering event. I just know that preachers are given a high privilege, so I don't want to... <laughs> yeah. I, I know that um, in the secular world, when they did, said in the last millennium, what are the um, most important events, the printing press was number one and Luther was number three. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I don't think you're far off in, in saying as far, if you, if you just restrict it to the life of the church, what are the most significant events? Mm-hmm. You know, Pentecost and then the Reformation, I think that's pretty safe. Yeah. yeah, and I think one of the things that we are, although, you know, we need historical markers, and uh, October 31, uh, 15, 17 is a, is a great uh, historical marker if we look at, you know, Luther nailing the 95 uh, theses on the door of the Castle Church of Wittenberg. And so that makes a good marker. But one of the things we want to do in this show is, is, is demonstrate that there is, there is a ferment uh, that 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 event, the Protestant Reformation, didn't just spring on the scene out of nowhere. Right. Uh, it has historical roots, and it has uh, you know the Spirit of God at work throughout the history of the Church, and and we can look at it historically and say that this is uh, kind of an explosion of forces that had been building over quite some time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that suddenly that seemed to suddenly explode on the scene out of nowhere. Well, it wasn't out of nowhere at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was there was a lot going on preceding that. That's right. Well, the Reformation is in part why we at the Gospel for Life hold an annual Reformation Boise Conference. It's to continue to celebrate the life transforming doctrines that God has recovered for the church. And um, our conference is coming up November 8th and 9th. You can register for free as well as find out all the details that you need to know at reformationboise.com. So that is coming up on November 8th and 9th. Go to reformationboise.com. All right. So yesterday we talked about some of the pre-Reformation reformers that were resisting, you know, um, not only Rome at the time of Rome, but they kind of span that window of time between Augustine and, and Martin Luther. Today, let's look at some of those conditions that led up to the Reformation itself. What was the state of the church and the world at the time leading up to the Reformation? 
I, I just want to be clear right up front that there are really two issues go prior to the Reformation, and sometimes they get they get conflated, they get brought together in a way that's not helpful. The 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 church at that time had two distinct problems. One was corruption that was within the church, um, sell, selling of indulgences, simony, um, pluralism. Um, what was that second one? Simony. simony they were Define. buying and selling offices. Loving money. So okay. basically, heard that term people before. were buying offices that weren't qualified to serve within the church. Basically, rich nobility. They mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with their their their. So if sons. I wanted to be a bishop, I could just pay some money to the church and become yes. a bishop. Yes, and it exactly. was just full of and then pluralism, holding multiple offices. It was about money. It was about control. It was about power. It wasn't about the faith. So on the one side is all of this corruption. Mm-hmm. And then you have these all these other theological issues that are taking place. And what you have is different people trying to address different problems within the church. And the Catholic Church understood that they had all these issues with all of these corruptions, the simon and the pluralism, the, the indulgences, all of that side of it, the immorality of um, those serving within office. And they held councils to address those. And yes. one of them was the Lateran Council. And if they had actually solved the corruption of the church, there wouldn't have been a reformation. Not well, at that, that not in the way it played out. Right. But they refused to deal with the corruption, which would have stayed the theological eruption that's going to happen in the in the Reformation. Uh-huh. Right, mm-hmm. and and the opposition to the popes and those in authority, um, you know, was met with you know some deadly force, and part of that actually grew out of uh, you know the Crusades. In fact, the Crusades became a, a, a tool to you know, you know to address Muslim aggression in the Holy Land. And so, you know, you have four crusades that take place between 1,000 and 1,300, and so all the so now military power is attached to. Uh, the church in some way, and so when there was opposition to the popes, and we saw we see it in the Reformation where people uh, mouths are uh, gagged and their tongues ripped out, and different things are happening to them. Their backs are laid to stripes. All these things because they're opposing uh, this papal authority. They're opposing the the those councils of the church who are. Um, you know, are involved in the selling of indulgences and um, this payment and pardon, you know, payment given in exchange for pardon for sin and that sort of thing. You know, you mentioned the the Crusades. I think it's interesting that even that is a theological misreading. Mm-hmm. I mean, in on Rome's part, to, to, to think that somehow to gain back the Holy Lands would be the essence of of propagating religion. Jesus yeah. said in John 4, when he's talking to the woman at the well, he says, believe me, woman, the hour's coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Mm-hmm. And then he says, those who worship the Father must worship him in spirit and truth. And so, and this was just a little footnote, just a little aside, even the the, the Crusades themselves were well, a, a mishandling of well, the Bible. And, 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 and the way they financed the Crusades was the selling of indulgences. Yeah, so all right. these things were setting up this um, big debate that Luther would have when he nails his 95 theses on, on Wittenberg can Chapel you, Phil, can you tell us what an indulgence is? Because I don't know how much of our listeners would know that. Well, sure. Um, it was a fundraising tool that... Uh, That's a nice way to say yeah. it. Used, used in the... Yeah. <laughs> A highly manipulative fundraising tool, then, but that's exactly what yeah. it was. It was fundraising that used in the 
medieval church um, that they held a doctrine of purgatory and that if you were not, you know, completely saved or if you still had some sins to be gotten out of you, you spent however many thousand years in purgatory. When and, a coin but, in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Yeah, exactly. And and the by when you're when you when you're deceased, your family could get you out of purgatory by paying an indulgence by by making a cash payment to the church, and then a, a mass would be said for you or whatever, and and supposedly get your soul out of purgatory. It's all. It's all unbiblical. It's all, uh, uh, you know, based on a, a complete misunderstanding of the gospel. Uh, but that was what the, the indulgences were used. For instance, as was said, to finance the Crusades, they were also used to finance uh, in in Luther's uh, case when he revolted against uh, indulgences. They were using them to finance the construction of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Yeah. And and the you know, question was if. If the Pope could do this for money, why didn't he just do it out of love? Why didn't he do it? You know, if he could do that, yeah. why not just do it? Yeah. Sometimes people will say, well, the church wasn't as bad as what maybe we are making it out as Protestants. Um, I would just say that go back to the literature of the day, the literature that would follow that time period. There was a book written by not a believer, um, Boccaccio, called The Decameron, which is... is Ten people telling ten stories a day, um, or telling a story a day for ten days, which means it's a hundred stories, hundred short stories. Um, and throughout that, you get a depiction of what life was like in those centuries just prior to the Reformation. And in those stories, it is oftentimes making fun of the church for the the. The, the absolutely gross immorality that was taking place, the, the illiteracy of those serving within the church, the, all of what we're talking about, the buying and selling of offices, the buying and selling of pardon from purgatory, all of that is in the, the stories um, that they, they're telling. And that's a secular work. Yeah. Eventually, Boccaccio right. does become a believer and renounces his own book, yeah. the Decameron, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's depicting just how messed up the church was. Yeah. And that's just talking the morality of it. Right. Yeah. We're not even talking right. theology. Yeah, That's just the morality of, of and, the issues and facing one, the church. One of the things that was happening during that period of time, uh, Christianity was uh, tended to be very formal, very external, very outward. In fact, the, you know, one of the theological problems was just basically do or be damned. You know, you had to merit something in order to to receive uh, justification, and so there was a great uh, problem. There was some doctrinal confusion that was going on as as well. People really didn't know what to believe. You know, they yeah. uh, they had to do something, but they were not being instructed there. the The clergy was, you know, really um, and on, know, on, ignorant. <laughs> and on that point right there, it's so important to point out. This is pre-printing press. This is pre-Bible right. being in the vernacular of the people. So you, this is the service itself wasn't in the in the language of the people. Right, it was the in Latin. services were in Latin, which yeah. the right. common person didn't know. So you well, depended upon the instruction of the clergy to get biblical teaching. Right, you well, did. You couldn't just open up your Bible and test what the clergy was saying according to what they were saying. But in, but in fact, in in medieval times, prior to the Reformation, most clergy didn't know the Bible. Right. Most clergy didn't have access to a Bible, uh, and, and, and but if they did, the the preaching most clergy weren't clergy because of conviction, right, right, 
And it was the, the practice of simony, as you mentioned earlier, that the, the people were given positions and, and, uh, but the, the crisis that leads to the Reformation is often described as a crisis of authority. Is authority in the Bible and the Word of God, as the Reformers said, or is the, uh, uh, or is the authority in the church hierarchy and in the the, the 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 Pope and the Curia? And and there's tremendous truth in that that it is a crisis of authority, but it goes deeper than that. Um, that because uh, the Bible had been kind of buried under layers of tradition. The Bible had been buried under layers of church hierarchy and church tradition. And um, because of that, the gospel had been lost. And because of that, living relationship with Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit waned. It was never completely lost. But what happened in, in what began the revolution, and it begins a couple of generations even before Luther, and then he inherits it, is that people like Wycliffe and, and Huss, because they discover the scriptures and they begin reading the scriptures, they discover there the living Christ and the good news of the gospel that he brings and the power of a living relationship with him. And that's what revolutionizes the church. That's right. That's, that's the ferment that leads to the Reformation. It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual renewal. It's, it's a, the Reformation is, is not just a cleaning up of the bad practices of the church. Right. It's, a, it's a great explosion movement of the Holy Spirit that's wrought by the rediscovery of the Word of God and the living Christ in His Word. Or to say it differently, it's the rediscovery of the gospel. Yes. Yeah. Of how does a person become right with God? Mm-hmm. And that had been lost in, in the time period prior to the Reformation, that all of a sudden we the, the church in essence was see, saying you can work your way into heaven, you can earn it, you can merit it. Mm-hmm. And the, the Reformation rediscovered the glory of the gospel that you cannot merit. Only Jesus Christ can merit it, and he did do that perfectly on behalf of his people. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. For all the details about our upcoming Reformation Conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. We hope to see you there. 